regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features show. Hello and welcome to the Regular Features Podcast, the podcast that's exactly the same every week. And like every week, I'm your host. I am the MC for this evening. I will be guiding you through the wonderful world of features and friendship. Boys, could you please introduce yourselves, starting with the joeyest of you two. Hi. Uh, I've been put off. Log was making some real good faces while you were speaking, which was rude. But I, uh, I also couldn't remember how to screenshot properly on my current computer. And so I'm really pissed off, actually, because you've missed out on some prime log faces that we could have had. Just pay him no heed, Joe. If the more did you see it? The more you pay attention to him, the worse he gets. I was trying to put you off from saying you were the host. He didn't like you. He didn't like that you said you were the host yeah, at all. I am the king of the podcast, the podcast VIP. I'm a big <laughs> shitty boy with bums in my hair, and I've got no knees or penis. That's the lyrics to the song that you sing. That is my number one hit. I think that should be the name of the episode. <laughs> I'm the boy with bumps in my hair. It has nothing to do with anything else we've spoken about today. Bring me the boy with bums in his hair. Have him washed. I wish to address his issues. He shall be emperor. <laughs> Have you boys got any features this yeah, evening? I've actually got, got one. Um, I've been on a little website called Wikipedia, and I found mm-hmm. I found an article called "List of Nicknames Used by George W. Bush," and I've dug deep into what's going on, and there's a conspiracy afoot. That sounds freaking hot. Log, thank you. And I realised that I created such a scene earlier that I trampled over any attempt you might have made to introduce me. Hi, I'm Log. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you. My feature tonight is about a film I saw called The Deadly Bees. It sounds spooky based on how you pronounce the name of the film. It's The Deadly Bees. It sounded like how a skull would say it. (laughs) Would it not have any other flesh? And its jaw drops off from pure melodrama after (laughs) me shouting it. And it makes it louder. (laughs) 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 As, as as its jaw gets wider and wider. Steve, though. I'm sure you've got a feature oh, too. Yeah. What's yours, Steve, my friend? Uh, mine is about legs. Legs are coming. Are you ready? Are you ready for legs? I don't know if I am. Can I you am. ever be truly ready for legs? I'm braced. I'm taut. I'm ready. I want it. Well, they're coming. Here they come. They're coming in the door now. They're coming to get you. Clippity clump, clippity clump, clippity clump. I'm just a jelly boy. Sometimes it makes me quite annoyed I can only jiggle and spin Met a doctor who walked past Said he had a range of cures Recommended a podcast Said it was called Regular Features Gap your mom Matt Steve in my ear holes Hopeful miracles My heart going Boom, boom, boom Then they said Jelly boy, we're gonna give you bones Yeah, some bones 
Boys, have you seen that uh, Mark Zuckerberg has added legs to the metaverse? Yes, I'm excited for legs. I didn't realise he was hiding legs this whole time, because what the only th- image I've seen of his metaverse ever was that one of him really low res standing in front of I don't know something from like the jung like a jungle place I can't remember it's right. a famous picture of how shit it looks the one that it looks like a GameCube game from- yeah but I just assumed he had legs yeah, under that picture I didn't realize he was. He was like they were in a patch note. That's amazing. Well, you would assume that they've all got legs. How did they reveal the legs? It was styled like a, an Oprah show, where Mark Zuckerberg is having an interview with a with a woman and like proudly reveals that legs are coming to Metaverse, and then starts jumping on the sofa like Tom Cruise, and then it cuts to an audience of legless people cheering wildly and flailing their arms around. And when you flail your arms around in the metaverse, it interprets it as a celebration and fires jets of confetti into the sky. So this sort of screaming, frenzied crowd with not a leg between them. It's just toppling off their chairs. <laughs> did, he, did he sort of have his own legs under like a blanket, like that president in the wheelchair whose name I can't remember? Roosevelt. Like that thing you do with the tea tower, it looks like you've got a penis, but it's just his big spoon. <laughs> exactly that. Was he doing the a big penis spoon, but then it turned out it was his leg the whole time? <laughs> I think it panned down slowly to reveal the, the legs. The people in the audience looked so... I mean, it was beautiful that they felt so much joy for someone else getting legs, whereas they had no legs of their own to speak of. Maybe because they ultimately thought the legs would come to them, like trickle-down legonomics. Roll the legs out, or we're rolling out of here. Is that like... Was that the Oprah thing? Like, he's like, look down. You've all suddenly got legs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Too many legs. That's what all the flailing was, is people going, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Just all doing Bambi walks because they're not used to their legs. <laughs> Which brings me to my feature. Mm-hmm. You are a hovering torso floating aimlessly around the metaverse. Can you catch Mark Zuckerberg and force him to give you a pair of sexy woman's legs? <laughs> You are just the top half of a 3D woman, whizzing around metaspace at the speed of data. All around you is the raw majesty of the metaverse, green and rolling polygonal hills, vast desert plains stretching toward the horizon, a 3D car at the zoo doing donuts in a gorilla enclosure, a very, very big John Belushi. What if you touch him, you are teleported to the opposite side of the map, and John Belushi says, Moi! That's what you get for touching me, the American actor John Belushi. (laughs) And then you have to spend absolutely ages getting back to where you were because they haven't invented fast travel in the metaverse. But today, the very, very big John Belushi is the least of your concerns because you've got an important job interview at the sexy woman's tights testing facility. But there's something very the matter. A cold (laughs) chill runs down your spine to the bottom of your spine, which is also the bottom of your body. Because guess what, lady? You're just a freaking hovering torso of a woman. You don't have two legs to rub together. If you have the brass tits to hover into this job interview without a hefty pair of boot rock and stompers, you'll be the laughing stock of the metaverse. You might as well bury yourself in the mud. There's only one thing for it. If you're to stand any chance of getting a job at the sexy woman's tight testing facility, you're going to need a pair of sexy woman's legs. 
and fast. That originally said pronto. I changed it to and fast. Now I've read it, I prefer the word pronto. <laughs> I would have gone for and how. Everybody knows that Legs isn't in the metaverse yet. Not unless you're the king of the metaverse himself, Mark Zuckerberg. And word on the street is that boy's hogging damn pins for his own personal collection. The freak. <laughs> <laughs> you run your meta hands all around the stump where your body ends, and you try to think of a solution. It feels bouncy and tacky, like a bubble wrap bubble that's the size of your hips. You have an intrusive thought that if you squeezed your stump bottom too hard, it might burst like a balloon, and whatever is inside you would come shooting out. It could be prime numbers, it could be a perfect simulation of hot pig intestines. You'd rather not find out. <laughs> Before you can dwell too long on this thought, you hear an incredible sound. Like loads of wooden clogs in a tumble dryer, and the deafening noise of muscular thighs rubbing against one another at high speed. You turn to see what's making all that ruckus, and that's when you see him. It's Mark Zuckerberg himself. Normal human size, except for a pair of 50-foot-tall sinewy legs dressed in black <laughs> nylon stockings and cobbled in bright red stiletto heels the size of Ford Transit vans. His building-sized legs are cartwheeling grotesquely, propelling him across the virtual countryside at Mach 3 and creating the noise of constant car crashes as he carves his leggy path through the metaverse. Do you A. Ask Mark Zuckerberg to borrow his legs for your interview or B. Accept yourself for who you are, a beautiful half-woman hovering three feet above the dirt at all times with nothing but a halo of light where your feet would be to help with navigation in 3D space. <laughs> I'm all for body positivity, but we do need this job. So, I, I may have missed this detail. Are Mark Zuckerberg's 50-foot legs sexy women's legs? Because that Are is very the ones specific. We're after? Yes. They are 50-foot big, dressed in nylon stockings and stiletto shiny heels. red stilettos. Yeah. Well, say they're sexy without saying they're sexy, Steve. Well, what's sexy for the goose is sexy to the gander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know what geese were buying. That's lush. <laughs> uh, I want them legs. I think Log wants them legs. Yeah, me, the, the, as leg. far as I can tell, they're the only legs in the metaverse, and I want, I want in them, on them. Yeah, wait a second. <laughs> We're going for a metaverse type making company's job. But there's, yeah. there's no other legs in the whole metaverse. Are they? Is this pre? Is this creating supply before there is demand? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. You know that's... what? Let's not bring this up in the job interview. I think we should just yeah, yeah. go for the job. Sorry, Log. You were absolutely right. You were right to question me and shush me as I was as I was don't, asking the question. Don't, don't question the laws of the metaverse. It can't make sense and it shouldn't. Well, while you guys were dawdling and thinking about what's a sexy leg and what's not a sexy leg no. and how there's a tights company, bloody Mark Zuckerberg's a continent away. Ah. Those pins can wheel when they need to. <laughs> and he is out of sight. <laughs> gotta go. F he was saying, "Gotta go fast," as he uh, bolted. You would have thought that we'd have heard the sonic boom that he creates every leg movement. <laughs> but we were arguing so much. Oh, suckers! All right, can we go after him? No, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's no fast travel in the metaverse. Is this game over? Uh, no, you could sort of accept the fact that you don't have legs and be cool with it. Okay. I'm, I don't I'm want gonna... to force you to do I want you to want to do that. Well, well let I mean, us go through all the stages of grief first, <laughs> and then we'll get there. I'm already happy with the idea. I just thought I needed this job to feed my legless children. And I'm not I mean they've probably got legs. They're just really pissed. <laughs> you do need coins, and you only get coins working at the tights factory mm. for legs. Maybe we could just climb into the tights and just use our body as a leg surrogate. Or if like, yeah, I'm I, if I'm happy with that as a kind of. I'm happy with my body. What if we? If I, could... so, I was just thinking we could we could employ our two, I assume two children to get in the tights and act <gasps> as our legs. Turn our children upside down so that they're. Pools of light, halos, lock onto our halos, and we elevate and use their little fucking heads as feet. <laughs> Voltron. Let's Voltron our family together. <laughs> the family that Voltrons together stays together. <laughs> this sounds like a realisation that you, you have options, mm. and you don't necessarily need a pair of legs. You never need a leg. He's, he's so good at this. He's so good at rolling with how fucking irritating we are to do these with. <laughs> you never needed legs. Last time you checked, all you need is a heart. And last time you checked, the heart isn't located in one of the legs. In fact, last time you checked, you found out that legs have something called kneecaps, which are like hockey pucks made out of rocks and suspended in grease to create something called a knee. And last time you checked, knees basically look like they're held together with sellotape and a special type of candle wax, which seems like a really fucking stupid way to build a body. You know what? You're better off without legs. Zuckerberg can keep them. Feeling empowered, you hover leglessly into the interview for the role of chief tester at the sexy woman's tights testing facility. The CEO of the company admires your bravery and hires you on the spot. They open a special leg-sized drawer, and inside is a pair of fresh company legs. And they're absolutely gorgeous, with three <laughs> knees per leg and a backup foot. These are for you, says the CEO. Welcome to the team. That Do you? Oh my god. A. <gasps> You little tease. Accept the legs. B. Decline the legs. Joe. Mm -hmm. Do you think we could hold out for some better legs? Yeah. This is the thing. We've spent this entire game looking for sexy legs. And what I heard was utilitarian, functional legs with spare kneecaps or whatever else he said. With three kneecaps. I get the feeling they could... Bend all the way around, and you could spring around like a capricious goat. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could turn them on backwards like a mech and <laughs> chicken walk around. <laughs> but equally, that don't get spouses. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've read between the lines, and we want a spouse. Uh, so I'm saying decline legs, I think, Log. What do you reckon? I think there's those legs came. We came across those legs too easily. Mm. I think if we decline the legs, there's going to be a you pass the test situation. Yeah. Fuck those legs. <laughs> no thanks. You tell the CEO. You can keep your goddamn legs. 
I haven't had a leg to stand on before today, and I'm going to stand my ground on my own two feet. But not my literal feet, the feet of the heart. Because while I might not have a femur, I have a femur things to say to you, sir. <laughs> oh, yes. With your fancy shins and your boutique patellas from Saks Fifth Ave. <laughs> I won't be defined by who I am or how I hovered above the floor like most of a ghost. You hired me to test tights. Well, let me test some tights, brother. I'll put them over the most leg-like parts of my arm if I have to. I'll squeeze my goddamn kids in there. But I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to do it without any legs. (laughs) A silence falls over the meeting room. One by one. The executives rise to their feet and begin clapping. Yes. You're fired, says the CEO. You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's where Sarah Jessica Parker's narration would come in and tell us why that was such a good thing that she got fired, actually. And that's great. I think she comes out of a, a more powerful person, more powerful than a pair of high-kicking legs could ever make you feel. Yeah. and But not as powerful as the powerful continent-spanning Zuck who, mm. who obliterates cities in his wake as he flies past them. He has to be the Mr. Big in this scenario. We'll get oh. with him in the end. Yeah, he'll... If I remember, spoilers, but Mr. Big dies because his legs got much, much too long because he was so big that he couldn't stop getting bigger. His legs get trapped in a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> and he flings about <laughs> and he, like, like a and cartoon. He spins yeah. around. You, you see his face coming around the treadmill every, like, two or three seconds. Going, and he goes, Help! yes. Help! Yeah. <laughs> that was the final episode of Sex and the City. <laughs> and they lost that sponsorship deal with... Um, Peloton because of Peloton, it. yes. <laughs> With Meta. Hey, oh, lads, hello. Now it's time for my regular feature. Stuart bought a DVD and we watched it together. <gasps> now, Stuart doesn't really listen to the podcast. I mean, he's probably listening it to it now because he's in the next room. But um, he does know that we do something about bees. Mm. So I'm not sure what his understanding of that is, but he does know that I frequently say I'm just checking the beehive when we're having breakfast. And because of that... Um, he's, and he, because he's a lovely bloke, he decided to buy a movie called The Deadly Bees. This is a 1966 movie. Movie? It's a movie, but because it's got bees in it, there's a Z. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, um, it does not fuck about. In the very first shot of the, um, the movie, um, there's two policemen. One of them says, have you heard all about those deadly bees? And, um, yeah, the other one goes, 
Yep. And the other one goes, <laughs> yep, probably nothing to it, I reckon. Let's not bother with that. Cut immediately, because the movie is set in 1966, to a groovy TV dance show. And I'm not joking. This is, this, it's a fast-moving show. And um, where the band The Birds are performing a song. The actual band The Birds are in The Deadly Bees. I can see where this is going, and I love it. I had to look it up because, like, it does... It's a little bit of a commitment to a joke that you can't really make because it's too weak just to to actually pay Ronnie Wood to come on your set and Hellraise. And after they have played their song, it's time to to meet the heroine, who is... um, I've got a name. Susanna Lee. Let's say that. And if I get it wrong, I'll never correct myself. And you're not going to look it up. Fuck off. (laughs) She comes in, sings her song, which is really good, but collapses and is immediately sent to an island where two rival beekeepers, a dog and a horse, live with an assortment of women who will get stung to death before the movie is over. Was there an Oxford comma in there? Are the, so are the dog and the horse the beekeepers? <laughs> I see that, what yeah. you're doing now. Yeah. Two rival beekeepers, a dog and a horse, yeah. who live with an assortment... Yeah, and they uh, eat, shoots, and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> By the time she gets there, they've both gone and there's just spunk on the floor. But I just love how we've got there in like five minutes. And this is just like the kind of storytelling brevity that allows movies to be less than one hour, 20 minutes long with two songs in them. Fucking brilliant. However, it's my duty to tell you that it is not a good movie. The establishing shots take place ten scenes too late, which make you think you've changed location when what they've actually done is just remembered to tell you where you are and have been for ten scenes. (laughs) The effects are kind of bad. And while we all know that Alfred Hitchcock was an absolute piece of shit to Tippi Hedren, and I do not endorse his behaviour by chucking birds and beaks into her face like a dartboard, this film could definitely have benefited from people off camera Chucking bees into Susanna Lee's face. There, I did write her name into the little bit. <laughs> I got it right. Well, Hitchcock's behaviour was was out of order, but this film is proof that if you go too far the other way, you get a well, you get a bad result. So maybe the correct course of action is a little bit of abuse of behaviour, psychotic abuse. Just, yes. Yeah, ego-driven monstrosity. It's a good thing, and. While the movie is presented as a horror, to go back to the movie, it's actually a little bit of a bee who done it. Although obviously you know it's a bee who done it, the movie is more of a which of the beekeepers bees done it. And you know what? I'm not going to spoil it because we might decide to have a movie night in the Discord and watch it. But I am going to write my own better version of the deadly bees. However, I don't. I know we're loaded up at the end of the podcast with lots of bee content, so I don't want to over-egg it and make it sound like this is some kind of weird bee podcast. I've, um, I've done a daring species swap, and we're going to be performing The Deadly Herons. <laughs> I didn't have time to adapt it fully, but you will get the idea as we go into the yeah. script. Okay. <clears throat> Scene one in a police station. Me, I'm a policeman. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> nice day in the office. Hello, I'm a policeman. Have you heard about these deadly herons doing big stings on dogs and women? Policeman one. As policeman two, no. 
But I'm all ears. Herons are my favourite bird to suck honey out of. Well, speaking as the top brass round here, I think it's rubbish. Stop investigating herons and start focusing on real 1966 crimes like white dog poo and people thinking it's all over. It is now! (laughs) Okay, Okay, boss. boss. Scene two. This is the pop star scene. Then I left his side a minute, maybe two. When I returned, he was with somebody new. Oh, fuck it, lads. I've cocked over. I'm done for. I'm your agent, you lazy fart. Get up and do the song, you rotten bugger, or I'll bite your arms. I'm your agent. Give me 10% of your arms. I'm starving. No, get off me arms. I need them for feeding me dogs. I'm her doctor, and I've got a better idea. Let's send her to an island full of deadly herons. The gentle buzzing of the malevolent translucent wings will be therapeutic, and she'll stop falling over on whatever they call Top of the Pops in 1966. Okay! Scene three. We arrive on the island. Hello, lads. I understand you both keep herons on this, a location that I presume is part of the mainland. Yes. I'm the nice heron keeper. I only tell the truth, and my herons are the normal size, about one centimetre long. Don't listen to him. I'm the evil heron keeper, and I tell only lies. My herons live in the walls of my house and are big, mean whoppers, weighing in at over 0.3 grams. They gone sting you. Wait, this is a different voice. I should have done. Do I should have read this first. <laughs> I'm gonna try and say the words he read in the voice I was doing in the first place. <laughs> they gone sting your wig off, baby. Also, I, I, I wrote go- that line deliberately with you in mind, Joe, because I wanted to hear you say, "They gone sting your wig off, baby." <laughs> they gone sting your wig off, baby. Also, I've got to leave this town soon to give my son some nativity props. What a strange and unsettling detail to add. I wonder if it is a clue. Mm. Well, I'm going to put all my eggs in the nice heron keeper's basket. I hope my superficial understanding of this situation isn't mistaken and some kind of trap. Go. Are those your herons? Well, they sound far too big to be mine. Well, they just stang a dog so much it shit everywhere and died. Scene four. The pop star lady has a nightmare. (gasps) Oh, herons. Herons everywhere. He tells only lies. He's the evil heron keeper. But, oh, no, more dream herons. And these two look like they can talk. If he only tells lies and says he's evil, he must be the good guy. But the other guy tells the truth and says he's nice, so that fucks your argument. Oh, yeah, I hadn't hadn't thought of that. It's a real pickle stinker of a 1960s mystery set on an island. Oh, it's an island. I presumed it was part of the mainland. No! Get your tiny feathered thoraxes out of my dream mouth, you horrible six-legged birds! Oh, it was just a dream. That's okay, then. I'm just going to fuck up some breakfast. Nyang, nyang, nyang. Come here, you bacon twats. I've got a big wet mouth. <laughs> Scene five. Shocking breakfast revelations. Oh, hello. It's the two heron keepers. Yes. 
While you slept, everyone else on the island has been stung to death by unusually big herons. And we were wondering if you could solve these horrific crimes. The policeman's dead, you see. To be honest, I think it's the nice heron keeper's fault because I am evil and I wish to get away with murders. But I think it's your fault. Because all the evidence points to you with your large herons and the thing you just said about getting away with... Hmm. What a conundrum. It looks like you have the casting vote. Who done it, please, Miss Popstar? I shall just have to think inside my head. Scene six. We discuss who we think done it inside my head. Who do you think done it? Evil Heron Keeper is the first go-to idea because he's the. They are the evil. Like, evil's right there in the name, right? Evil people do my dodge. Uh <laughs> I am really intrigued by the clue about the nativity props. I'd forgotten about the clue about the nativity props. Do uh, we think perhaps evil Heron Keeper is God and his son <laughs> is Jesus? Because nativity hmm. props originally were just for giving birth to the baby Jabus. Well, think about nativity. The nativity mm. scene uh, that you have in your home uh, has a tiny, tiny baby Jesus and a tiny, 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 tiny animals. What if you wanted to form a nativity scene that had, to Jesus's perspective, a bee the size of a donkey, that, and Jesus could ride the bee around like a donkey and get to Nazareth in double time? Excuse me, Steve. Bees? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sorry, a heron. Mm. Yeah, thank you. What if there's... Dozens of herons in the nativity, but no one talked about it. What if it's all herons? And it always has been. <laughs> it's herons all the way down. Uh, you know what? I'm with Steve. I think it's the evil heron keeper. I think it's the pop star. It's a twist. She did it herself. Oh. She brought it on herself. She's wearing special heron-attracting pheromones that drives the herons absolutely wild and sends them into a sting frenzy. They form a ball around uh, smaller birds and vibrate at the speed of herod wings in order to boil them alive, beaks and all. Turn them into mm. a boiled goose. Delicious. <laughs> what do you make of that, detective? You accuse the evil beekeeper of it. What Heron did. keeper. Wait and find out. Oh. <laughs> Twist is his bees. <laughs> <laughs> you accuse the evil beekeeper and the nice beekeeper starts laughing. Ha ha ha, he says. Everyone knows that being nice isn't the same as being kind. Niceness is a cynical weapon, is used by absolute shitbags like me. And while the evil beekeeper says he always lies, he does. The herons are, in fact, bees with minuscule beaks attached with a tiny strap of elastic hooked underneath the bee's stinger. And when he said he wanted to get away with mere dears, he actually said, I want to get away with myrrh, my dears. Myrrh, one of the gifts given to Jesus and the very nativity prop he was talking about in scene two. But wait, aren't the nice beekeeper's bees smaller? No, he simply mm -hmm. used cloaking devices out of the recent Star Trek program to conceal their true girth. Ha ha ha, I got away with it. Now I will kill you with all my large bees. But just as he does so, an actual-to-god heron walks in and eats all the bees. The nice beekeeper looks at you, confused. Is this ironic, he says. If you can explain to the 
beekeeper whether a heron eating his bees in this situation is ironic. He will go to jail willingly. Otherwise, you must roll 2d6 to withstand his niceness. Feels ironic, but often things that feel ironic aren't. It's a real stinky pickles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very embarrassing when you say something's ironic and you, you get corrected and mm. say, no, that's coincidental. I mean, some it's would say that the dramatic irony of presenting bees as herons all the way through was a form of irony where the audience knew something that all of the players in the show didn't. I'm going to go with irony. I don't know about you, Joe. Yes. I feel like I've, I, I've, I've got 10,000 spoons. And all you need is a wife. <laughs> and all I need is a beautiful beekeeping wife. And I just want to spoon my wife who doesn't exist. <laughs> You failed. The the nice <gasps> beekeeper does not buy into any of your irony bullshit. You have to roll to withstand his niceness. Twelve. You rolled twelve. Congratulations, you win. It was the beekeeper's bees who done it, and you now go back to being a pop star. When I returned, he was with somebody new. Stop the Regular features, regular features, regular features now. <laughs> That's awful. Either of you ever been on a Wikipedia page called List of Nicknames Used by George W. Bush? I ain't never. No. I've been on it. It's a very long list of nicknames used by George W. Bush for <laughs> members of, you know, people around him. It's got his... It's subdivided into family, foreign leaders, staff, politicians, and others. Oh, and journalists, they're in there as well. Uh, and it turns out George W. Bush just loved giving out a nickname instead of learning what someone's real name was. Or, if you want to be more charitable, he learned their real name, then came up with at least one, sometimes up to five nicknames for individuals around him in his life. That's because he never bothered to learn his own nicknames, surely. <laughs> or that's <laughs> because he didn't know who he was, but he knew everyone else around him. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it ascribed to his time in the Skull and Bones Club, because that apparently uses nicknames very uh, prominently. Or I've seen some people say that it's because he's Southern, and that's apparently what people in the Southern do. They say that their grandpa is their poor, poor. And things like that. <laughs> um, but whatever the so reason... What is, what, is, what is the Skull and Bones Club? It's the evil club at Yale, what might be Illuminati control in the world, that George W. Bush and John Kerry were in, and they were in an election against each other. And when they were asked, what was he like in the club at the same time as you, they both said it was a secret. They wouldn't say. That's how secret it is. Even when you're trying to be presidents against each other. They wouldn't acknowledge that they were both in the club, or he wouldn't, they wouldn't oh, say what they were you like. You say you're in it, but you can't say anything that happens in it. Log would know all about this. Yeah, baby. Sounds very Freemasons-y. Ah, uh, yeah. Love it. And Illuminati. We've got the fucking eye in a pyramid and the lot, mate. Freemasons, assemble. It's the only <laughs> thing I'm genuinely frightened about, Log. <laughs> for his, his masonry and what he might be saying to other prominent business leaders in Nottingham about us. It's just a skill tree you go down. Imagine it's, if we it's, had... It's all it is, a skill tree. Imagine if we saw a massive influx of new readers and they were all masons. It was like really <laughs> high-powered high business guys who were just like, well, brother Locke. 
Why do you think I've never done a feature about it? You'd find me dead in my own back. <laughs> Gutted and strung up, ass to throat. Gutted, ass to... <laughs> Mason style. Uh, I bet you want to hear some nicknames that George W. Bush gave people, huh? I do, and please tell me please. some of the real ones first. These are all real, promise. Oh my God, cool. I'm not going to give you a single fake nickname during this entire bit, right? Oh. Can you guess who this is? Ostrich legs. Who would Vladimir? No. Who would George <laughs> Bush <laughs> have called ostrich legs? I love you went Condoleezza Rice so quickly. Yeah. Oh, she's a leggy lady. Lovely. <laughs> a lovely leggy lady. That's somehow both of your features. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it Hillary Clinton? No. It was Vladimir Putin. He called him oh. ostrich legs. To his face. Do you know what else he called him? Pooty poot. <laughs> I like that one. And look where we're at now. I think that's what's caused all of this. Uh, Dick Cheney, he called Big Time. He called two different Australian prime ministers Man of Steel, which is weird. Like, mm. imagine if you were the second of the Australian prime ministers. You're like, what? I just got that guy's Man of Steel nickname. Call me Man of Titanium or some shit. Um, <laughs> my One of my favourites on here is that he... <laughs> There's an unnamed Forest Service official who was just called Tree Man. That's just he couldn't be bothered learning what his job was. Um, Colin Powell, the late Colin Powell, was referred to as the world's greatest hero. Imagine that as your nickname. It's just a terrible nickname. It's so long. It's a bit wordy, um, yeah. Yeah. It's longer than Colin Powell. It's way longer than Colin Powell. Uh, and... As that indicates, the quality in this list varies wildly. So, for Is instance... Is there called, like, Dog Dirt or oh, Banjo we'll get strings? there. We'll get there. <laughs> one of the most famous... In fact, I'll go to this now. One of the most famous nicknames he ever gave was a guy called Carl Rove, who was his special advisor. He called him Turd Blossom, and that was a compliment. <laughs> um, my, my little Turd Blossom. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, the quality is all over the place. His Office of Management and Budget Director, Mitch Daniels, who sounds That's like a the most, most... That wasn't the nickname, was it? <laughs> no. He's got the most boring name and job in the world, but he was nicknamed The Blade. <laughs> what? He got to be The Blade? Yeah, but then... Fucking Colin Powell. He gets greatest hero in the planet. Hero. <laughs> and Mitch Daniels gets The Blade. But then... Compared to that, special assistant Israel Hernandez just got called Altoid Boy because he brought him mints once. <laughs> that's not a nickname. That's just a really dismissive thing to say to someone when you want something. All right, Altoid Boy. Um, Is it yeah. a nickname if you don't call it them more than once? <laughs> yeah, well, he might have stuck with it. I don't know. Um the physician to the president, Ronnie Jackson. Now, I thought this was rude and dismissive of this guy's job, but then I looked up Ronnie Jackson, and he sounds like an absolute piece of dog shit. So I'm glad that his nickname was just Scrote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the president called Ronnie Jackson Scrote. Scrote. Um, the, uh, the award for most nicknames goes to Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Bartlett, but unfortunately for Dan Bartlett, they were all just different bits of his name. So he got Barty, Bart, Danny Boy, Captain Dan, and Dan the Man. 
he got five shit nicknames instead of anything else. Uh, George W. Bush also uh, gave three different journalists the names Stretch, Little Stretch, and Super Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> What's Little Stretch? Just like a normal person. Yeah, he's just a normal guy. <laughs> uh, worse than that, though, he there was a Wall, Wall Street Journal reporter called Peter Walston um, who mockingly George W. Bush called Shades because he wore sunglasses indoors uh, but didn't realise that the dude was partially blind. So he was just calling a blind guy Shades and that mm. was a fun part of his presidency. <laughs> And then, here's the one. This is where it all kicks into gear. CIA Counter-Terrorist Centre Director Kofa Black. Serious person with a serious job. He was called Flies on the Eyeballs Guy. (laughs) (laughs) What? Those are his pupils, you rude man. (laughs) Flies on the Eyeballs Guy. Now this is where I think it gets interesting. I think that's a dead giveaway. Right? So that nickname, Flies on the Eyeballs Guy, is slightly too long, like World's Greatest Hero, to be useful in any regular conversation. It's also a bit gross, and it's about an insect. George W. Bush has been trying to give out bee names, but failing to get it right. Mm. Yes. So I wrote him... A cease and desist letter. <laughs> Thank you. But I forgot to ask a lawyer how you're meant to make a cease and desist letter. So it's basically just a letter, and I put it in an envelope marked to George Bush, in brackets, the alive one, comma, probably Texas. And if there's any justice in the world, he'll be reading it at this exact moment I'm reading it out to you, so that in the movie of my life, it'll be like I'm narrating the moment George Bush read a letter that would change his life. And it reads, Dear George W. Bush, I hope you're doing well, and that Halliburton Oil is seeing record profits, because I think I remember people saying that your whole presidency was basically about Halliburton Oil. I know when I think oil, I think Halliburton. Sometimes (laughs) I stand next to my fridge and listen to the hum, and I'll press my lips to the cold aluminium siding, and I'll whisper, Yeah, that's right, you little pig. Suck on that Halliburton and make my curries cold. Oh, fuck. (laughs) But I digress. I've noticed from a look at Wikipedia that you've been given out nicknames willy-nilly, and I wanted to say that it's becoming pretty obvious that you're trying to get unsanctioned B names out there, and I formally ask you to cut it out. As you'll be aware, before it was renamed in 2011, Regular Features was a TV programme called Anderson Cooper 360 Degrees, and it was broadcast on CNN in the USA, which is the country you did a president on! Two exclamation marks. (laughs) We hadn't quite nailed the format at that point, so each of the now hosts of Regular Features would take turns to play the role of a long, snow-haired dork called Anderson Cooper and just sort of talk about shit like taxes and mad cow disease. It was quite a bad show, but we always made sure to give out some B-names at the end, and people lapped that shit up. We called General Pinochet Stripes Dark Shot, and we dubbed... (laughs) 
and we dubbed Ricky Lake Honey Yum Yums. And one time we caused quite a political buzz by giving the bee name Fat Syrup Ass to John Kerry, which probably actually caused him to lose the election to you in 2004. So you're welcome, actually. If I'm not being clear enough, we did bee names first. And now we know that you've been trying to sneak out your so-called nicknames without us noticing. Well, you're a coward, George Bush. At least have the big balls to call them bee names and also theme them around bees. Like famously, you called, called your special advisor Carl Rove Turd Blossom. But you didn't have the big balls to call him Turd Blossom from which a brave bee might take a sip, even though the other bees turn their stingers up at the smell of the turd <laughs> from which the blossom sprung forth. If you'd had the big balls to do it, I might not be sending you this letter and crying. I would appreciate a written apology. Actually, you know what? Don't fucking bother. Just either give proper bee names or don't do it at all. If you continue on this path, I will do a JFK on your ass for real. You see if I don't. Yours sincerely, Matt Lees. <laughs> P.S. If I was to give you a bee name... It would be I dub ya a fucking wasp. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> the best things in life are free. But my favorite comes out of a bee. I want honey. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. The queen gives me such a thrill But it's out of drones the syrup spills I want honey Buzz, 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 buzz Buzz, 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 buzz Buzz, buzz, buzz Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Regular Features Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out by donating an amount of your choosing per episode. And in return, you're going to get a couple of nice little treats. One, you're (laughs) going to get access to the Beehive. That's right. It's a Patreon-exclusive Discord channel where the bees hang out. We share little insights and glimpses into our personal lives. Sometimes little pictures in the behind the scenes channel, which Joe, did you take a screenshot of us? Oh, I'm about to. Don't you worry about that. Oh, you, you, oh God, oh. not we'll do that with my mouth. Oh, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, wait. No, wait. it's broken. Oh. I'm on a Mac. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Here we go. Got it. Little exclusive treats like that. You'll also get your very own bee name. That's right. We will tear up your old stink-ass human son of a bitch name. Won't be needing that no more. Where you're going. In the beehive. And we will christen you with your very own bee name. Boys, could you please give a bee name to the following new patrons? Caleb Bork. Or Balk. Or Bork. Caleb Bork. Balk. No, I, I do. Why don't you just use all the B names you did in your feature? They were all really good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call anyone fat syrup ass. That's oh, what... <laughs> no. Oh, no, that's. But, but it's like you can call people slut if you're sex positive. I mean, we're body positive. Like, mmm, that fat syrup ass. And also, I don't think anyone that's... wants to be named after General Pinochet. That's oh, not, okay. that's not that's fun, true. Is it? 
General Stinger Shay. <laughs> <laughs> venereal Stinger Shay. Venereal. Okay, save Venereal for the next one. General Stinger Shay is good. Please give a B name to Laura McDonald. Okay. Now, we have to not do another old McDonald name. Laura Laura of the Beehive? Laura of the Beehive? Oh? You contravene section 21C of the Law of the Beehive. (laughs) Go directly to the Queen and get a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) To the Queen and get a kiss. Get a kiss. And get a kiss. That might be the longest. In this this hive, we punish crimes with love. It's how you rehabilitate people. This hive, we... And that's all part of the B name as well. Crimes with love. That's how you rehabilitate people. Not bees, people. People. (laughs) (laughs) Please give a B name to Jose Fernandez. Sting me once, shame on me. Sting me twice. How did you sting me twice? Please give a B name to Neil Morrison. Bees, bees, bees. Let me get what I want in brackets. Beer. Pollen. <laughs> a bee name, please, for Abby Bulmer. That's hard. It's hard when a bee's already in there. It's hard when there's a bee already in there. It's hard <laughs> when there's a bee already in there. <laughs> Just nothing but gold log. I love it. How do you come up with that? Uh, quick, let's do two more B names. One for Tom Page, please. Page one. Prologue. <laughs> the bee woke up. It was a great day to be a bee. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> Just giving you room to transcribe. <laughs> the hive was a buzz with activity. Go on. It's not reached a natural chapter break yet. And then the smoke came, all in capitals. And that's the end of the prologue. Came. Beautiful. One last B name, please. I'd like a B name for Ask Grostol. Apologies if I've massacred the pronunciation of your name. But it matters no longer because no one's going to be calling it anymore. I'm so annoyed you've used Ask Beeves before. A queen in drone's clothing. Like undercover boss. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly it. Undercover boss. Undercover bees. <laughs> well, if you'd like your very own bee name, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out. If you are waiting on a bee name, trust us, it is coming. We have just so many bee names to get through. We're upping them to like six an episode now. We're trying to, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to cram in as many bee names at the end. But if we cram in any more, it'll be um, oops, all bee names. We could do an Oops or Bee Names episode. We did do a Bee Blitz, but we, or then again, we don't want to suddenly have an episode where we got no Bee Names and we look like sad sacks. Because that's half of our episodes. <laughs> People think we've gotten really good at filling the time, but actually what we do is just sit about thinking of Bee Names for about two to four hours and cut it down. I just yeah. feel sorry for the people who stop listening at B-Names and then they finish the next podcast and it just goes back to the fucking B-Names again and they're constantly yeah. <laughs> trying to escape it. Especially when two out of the three features are about bees in an episode. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can think of more stuff. I think there's more, there's more to ring out of this bee stuff. I think uh, it's got yeah. legs. 
It's got loads of legs. <laughs> it's got anything, got loads it's got of legs. <laughs> right, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Love you. Loving you. <laughs> Regular features. Regular features. Regular features.